0: feels the same way we've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords i must remember plus one password is trusted by millions including giants like ibm and slack with one password my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure but infinitely simpler Two free weeks at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Again, onepassword dot slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter. Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for five percent off your order that's up l-i-f-t desk.com slash timecrafting to get five percent off your entire order your health your productivity your future self will thank you again that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get five percent off your entire order today i'm mike Vardy. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. crash plan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations crash plan ensures that every file every idea and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected with crash plan professional you get unlimited backup for your computers not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With CrashPlan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make, every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored, with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Productivity Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, not an unconventional guest, but a guest that I've been wanting to have on for a while that may seem a little bit out of the ordinary. His name is Aaron Mankey, and I really enjoyed having him on the show this week because uh, I've been wanting to have him on the show for a while. He is the creator of Lore, a tremendously well-crafted podcast. He's also the uh, co-host of Homework and uh, the author of several novels and he has got a lot going on and i wanted to talk about the idea of the overnight success with him because he is the definition of an overnight success in that it took him many many years to get to where he's at now and lore kind of is the thing that thrust him into the spotlight in more ways than one. We'll talk about processes, frameworks, you know, how he puts together an episode of lore, why he is gone with the bi-weekly format or fortnightly format when it comes to the show and many many other uh, Idiosyncrasies and uh, frameworks and processes that he has that he's incorporated into his life and how he made it from where he was only a few short years ago to where he is now. Let's not uh, waste any more time. Let's dive right into my conversation with Aaron Mankey here on the Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome Aaron Mankey to the Productivityist Podcast. Aaron, thanks for joining me this week.
2: Thanks, Mike. I appreciate being here.
1: Uh, so it, it's, you know, we've, we've known each other for a few years now, back in, when did we, we first met, I want to say like four or five years ago, it's gotta yeah, be it, up there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's gotta be up there. And, and the, 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 the space you've gone and we're going to get to that, of course, uh, is what, what you're doing now versus where you were when we first kind of uh, came across each other online, uh, is very different. Let's say, I think that's, that's an understatement, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, t- but to be fair, um, and the, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is my, my journey kind of has been different as well, where I started off doing like comedy and now all of a sudden I became the very thing I was parodying on my site. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a, it, this is the kind of thing I think that happens when you start to go out on your own. And now how long have you been working just as a, let's say, we'll, we'll just use the term freelance for now. How long have you like, have you been working as a freelance uh, operator?
2: I would say, um, somewhere on the eight year mark. Um, Cause it was, it was the, the impending birth of our first child that, that kind of pushed me to, you know, find a way to work from home in, in a way that my wife can be at home with a kid. Um, and so she's like, she's a little over seven. So throw in maternity time and, and I was ramping up before she gave birth. So somewhere in the eight, eight and a half year mark, you know, I just tell people, you know, roughly a decade of working from home. And uh, you basically become an overnight success, right? In,
1: well, in, in as much <laughs> as as what we've heard, what an overnight success it takes like a decade to build an overnight. Decade, success. Yeah, yeah.
2: So you know, it, one very decade long night. Yeah. N-
1: now, now let's 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 before we dive into the big thing that 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 you're doing now, which has get garnered you a lot of acclaim and rightfully so, I want to talk about the other ventures that you. So, Wet Frog Studios is your company, right? That's what that's your yeah, that's the and, business. And now. That was, that was what you started when you, when you went out on your own, when you left the, the, the nine to five day job kind of thing. And I, I'm putting air quotes around that because obviously <laughs> it's still a job. Um, Let's look at it now versus then, Um, you know, and, and for those who are, are, didn't read the show notes, you're going to know right off the bat why we're going in this direction. So, so it's just stay with me here, but <laughs> versus, uh when you started with wet frog, which would have been probably what, a hundred percent of your income, I would say.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: What is it now? Is it still, is it, is it, is it because I wanted, we were going to talk about letting go of certain things. Like what yeah. is it now? Would you say approximately?
2: Uh, um, I'd say 99% of the bit of the income is lower, you know? So, so wet frog is, is 1% and some months it's zero because um, I really only have one paid client right now. And that's because they don't trust anybody else. Um, they're enormous projects that happen uh, two or three times a year. And I've just, at least at this point, I've told myself when, when the time comes for the project, I'll make room for it. Um, I don't know that I'll be able to do that in the future as much, but, um, there's some other things working in the, working toward cutting that business relationship. Like they're a Canadian company and the Canadian dollar versus American dollars pretty horrible right now tell me tell me about it yeah yeah. So it's (laughs) it's actually pretty inexpensive for them to find somebody local and they've they've been doing that for more and more small stuff it's just the big projects that they 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 really want them to be done well this is a government um like a lobbyist group um Mm -hmm. that you know so they have they really want to make sure that things are done well and you know so i'm I'm working with them to to find ways to keep that relationship open they don't want me to sub it out so i just have to work smart so that i can fit them in when they need me
1: now now Interestingly enough, we were getting ready to record this and my travel schedule ha- has wreaked havoc on my body as I probably expected, and I'm I'm actually uh fighting a migraine as we're doing this. So, um you can probably even hear it a little bit in my voice. And when I said Aaron, I don't know if I can do this, I said I said can you reschedule? And your your answer was and I love this because I'm big on boundaries is is you said um my spring is pretty jam packed. I don't know when I'm going to have some time, and I said, "Well, look further away, and you said, "No, seriously, I don't know if I can look that far down the road <laughs> um so when it comes to to making like now that now with what with with what's been going on with Lore, and I want you to talk about Lore in a second, like have you set a hard and fast deadline to say, okay, lore is the thing like the only thing like have you said this is when yeah. so yeah. what what is what is that date do you can you share it, or do you have it- like kind of an uh, an idea?
2: Well, I mean, outside of the design client that I just talked about, Lore mm-hmm. has been the thing. It's been the prime, whatever you might want to call it, the prime thing since like um, middle of August, early September.
1: And, and we're recording this in uh, in early March. So it's yeah, been about, yeah. that'd be about six, well, seven months now.
2: Yeah. And I, you know, I just, you know, for looking at the inside, breaking the third wall or whatever, like, you know, interviewers tend to send over questions. Mike sent me questions. And I know that we'll get to a little bit more about that in mm-hmm. a bit. Um, But essentially, yeah, so I was um, full time as far as like income from lore covering all the financial needs of my family by like late August, let's say. That's that's, that's
1: fantastic. And, yeah. and so the reason that, that, that one of the reasons I want to have you on the show is to talk not only about lore, but there are other people out there that are listening that are, that are, are figuring that they, they're starting out. Actually, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday who had just started doing productivity type stuff, uh, basically about four or five months ago and mm-hmm. he and he was kind of a great guy uh and and i'm probably gonna do some stuff with him but he was asked quizzing me about like you know so how do you get to this how do you get this and i just said time yeah like you can't uh when you started uh when you left the the uh the, the world of work and went into the home and started working from home aka homework see what i did there uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> you didn't say, and then in 2015, I'm going to create this podcast called Lore that is going to be a sensation. But my path to that starts here with this design business. And, of course, I'm going to open this this free, uh, frictionless, get frictionless project, and, and I'm going to do uh, a podcast with Dave Kahlo And all that, uh, th- that's my plan. And then Lore right. will be at 2015. That's when I'm ready to do that's, that's not how that played out, is it?
2: Not at all. Not at all. Um, I mean, there's, and I don't know if this is a cynical side of me or if this is just a looking back kind of the wise side of me, but I think that everybody who's pursuing a side project who uh, maybe they're not completely satisfied with the thing that they're doing during their day job and they want to do something different. And so they start to explore that. I think all of those people at some point bump into the topic of productivity because they realize Okay, I'm going to try doing two things at once right now. So I need to work really smart about how I do these two things. And so what you'll see is people will frequently get into this phase in their life where they're they're getting their they're stepping into the water, you know, that productivity um, and and the skills that they need to learn um, is this new thing. And they almost become obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. But then you're in the water for a while. Now it's I mean. I, I live in New England, so the, the ocean is warm about one day a year and the rest of the time it's, it's about 20 degrees. So um, you, know, you get in the water and it's freezing cold and after a while you start to warm up, you start to get used to it, you can start swimming around. And then productivity habits become rote and instinctive. Um, and so, you know, when I first started doing my design business, I had to find a way to keep up with just all the client work, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I took on, you know, uh, I think the first to-do app was Things. Um, That was back before they had sync and then they had the, you know, the months long, we're going to try to get sync right (laughs) thing. And that's when I left them for OmniFocus who said, we've already got sync right. Um, And, and I started journaling like my daily to-do list in a notebook and, and I was learning these habits and it's stuff that I still do today. I still use a to-do app. I still keep track of all of these things on paper and I don't think about it anymore, but it was back then. It was when I first went out, you know, on my own that I had to say. Well, Aaron, what can you learn to make this better? Um, and I think, too, um, I like to look at my life now and say I'm holding a toolbox um, and all the tools that are in it that I'm using in my job now with Lore, I've picked up along the way at different stops. Um, and you're going to ask me about all these stops on the on the, the show today, but, you know, like I picked up how to use a mic from homework. You know, I picked up, you know, how to use a to-do app and, and stay organized from running a design business. So. It all kind of feeds into the future.
1: Well, it's interesting. I was uh, Eric Fisher and I were talking about this the other day and he uh, mentioned part of Merlin's uh, an episode of uh, Back to Work where Merlin talked about GTD and how he doesn't really do pure GTD anymore. I don't think I think what happens is and what and he makes a really good point and I think that that you could probably speak to this as well is that. When you're starting this stuff out, as you just said, when you're just trying to get your head wrapped around all the things that you want to and need to do, whether it's, you know, just at the nine to five job that you have plus balance your family life. Because you've got kids and and family too, right? Yeah. Uh, You don't don't go in. You go in to learn. You know, it's kind of like when you're in school, you learn how to read and write. So specific things. So that eventually when you aren't in school anymore, you know how to read and write pretty much anything that you want to read and write. Do you know what I mean? Like, And I think yeah. that the same thing happens with with a tool like GTD, like a methodology like GTD or Covey or whatever. Or even like, again, like you said, like tools. You, you, you're, you learn those things in the formative process of, okay, I'm going through this process right now. And it's the progress, the, the progress, all that stuff that kind of says, okay, now that I've done this for a while what parts don't work, what parts do work, where does this apply, how do I fit this in, oh, I don't need to use this aspect of this, like, you become more of a, a again, you become a craftsman, mm-hmm.
0: you yeah, know, you absolutely. become a craftsperson,
1: and I think that, like you said, you know, you learn how to use a microphone from, from, you know, doing homework, I learned how to use a Mac during my journey from working at Costco to what I'm doing now by working for a year at an Apple independent reseller. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know how to, I mean, that's one of the reasons, in fact, that's primary reason that I took the job, was, hey, I'll learn how to use a computer, the computer that I really want to wrap my head around, while I am working. Like, how, how great is that? I, re- I remember when I was um, a music uh, a, a DJ, like a radio DJ, and in, 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 at the college radio station in, in the city where I grew up. I mean, I learned how to, you know, you know c- figure out where ads should go, flow of music, all that stuff, how to... How to, you know, use my voice in certain ways. How to eliminate some of these um, ahs and the pauses and stuff. (laughs) Because that's what you, you know, you learn as you go. And nothing was better than getting paid to do that at the same time. So, but, but do you think people often, they they try to put the cart before the horse. Do you know what I mean? They they try to say, okay, you know what, this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to do it. And instead of just focusing on the, the art and maybe the science or the craft of just you know, making making things happen along the way and then kind of uh, saying, okay, well, this didn't work. Let me change course here and try this instead because you did that a number of times.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, every house has a foundation, it has a frame, it has exits, um, a roof, it has windows. And outside of that foundational, you know, core, everything else is kind of independently created and i think that when you're starting out in something like gtd you know david allen's getting things done is kind of the like the bible for anybody starting out to to learn how to be productive with their life um like you need to take on the foundational aspects first you know you need to lay a foundation and build the frame and and put a roof over it and then you can start to tweak it yourself you know we um if you if you grew up um in the the well, I, I was born in the mid 70s but you know by the time i was in like um early college i remember the bruce lee movie coming out um dragon uh, yeah the dragon with yep. um i can't J- remember who it jason
1: jason scott lee
2: that's right yeah um but like people think of Bruce Lee and they think martial arts and, and a lot of times they just kind of say, oh, he did Kung Fu. But no, he, you know, like he did this thing that he learned growing up, um, Wing Chun, but, you know, he, he it was like a derivative of Kung Fu essentially. Um, but through his life, he took that foundation and tweaked it into his own martial art, which is now taught today in schools all across the world, Jeet Kune Do. You know, so he had to learn the foundation first. And then he adapted it to fit his own you know, physicality and style and personality. Um, you have to learn how to process your inbox like, at the basic level before you can tweak how you're going to do it. You can take on inbox zero as a, you know, a core tenant in your life and say, I'm going to have three inboxes and this is what I'm going to do with them. But eventually your work habits are going to say, you know, it might be good if you had four inboxes and that breaks the rules, but it fits you. you mm-hmm. Learn the rules first and then you tweak them. So I, I spent my early years doing, you know, freelance work, like just learning all the rules that I could. Um, I like rules. I like I like guidelines, and so that that fit my personality a lot. Um, and then over the years, I kind of adapted and, and tweaked it as I went along.
1: Now let's talk about the the journey. Let's get back to that a little bit. So you know, I mean, you're you're into productivity. That's one of the reasons we gravitated towards each other. You know, the fact that we both are into that kind of space. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, as you're developing Wet Frog and you're working there. Then all of a sudden, Get Frictionless comes along, you know, the <laughs> frictionless freelancing, all that stuff. What did you, that, what itch were you scratching with that venture? I mean, I think I've got a sense of it based on the fact, what we what you just said, but that was something that, I don't think it came out of the blue, but it was kind of a, a um, an offshoot. Uh, that, yeah. That, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the side project should make sense for, for an outsider. They should look at it and say, oh, of course he did that. You know, of course she started that thing that she's doing now because- it should kind of fall out of whatever you're doing. You know, you're learning a skill in one place and now you want to take that skill and, and put it somewhere else. So, you know, for me, a lot of what I was doing over at Frictionless was about sharing the lessons that I was learning with other people. You know, running a design business from home for, you know, the years that I had uh, taught me a lot of things, you know, a lot of tips and tricks and things that I wanted to, to share with people. Um, and I, I kind of, I'm kind of of the personality that I like to develop systems. I like to develop a way that I would declare is the better way to do it, you know, whether I'm right or wrong. Um, and so frictionless was an outlet for that. And it allowed me to kind of develop some philosophy around how I run my business and then teach it to other people. Um, and I developed some some tools that I was using in my own professional life. I had these printed note cards and, and paper. I mean, I was a print designer um long before the, the era of icons and uh, things like that for, for mobile phones. So, you know, I, I felt comfortable in the print world. So I was making notepads and index cards. And I was using them to map out my day and, you know, things like scheduling my day the night before. It was just a, a drum that I beat over and over again. So, um, for that season of my career, that was all super helpful, but, uh, you
1: know. And, and then, uh, you started <laughs> to do homework, right? Yeah, like that. Yeah. So that was the entrance into the pot. And, and what's, what I, I definitely want to get into the whole idea of like what lore does now versus what, you know, what homework was kind of the gateway for you. But, um then all of a sudden you, you went into homework and, and you're still doing homework right now, right? On, on the five by five network.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Me and me and Dave Kahlo Um, I mean, we've both gone through a lot of transformation over the years. It's been four years, I think four years in four years this month, potentially, or maybe it's next month. Um, you know, but he started out working at, you know, the unofficial Apple web log. Yep. Um, and, uh, there was a time where he was just like freelance writing and, you know, cause AOL closed that down and, Uh, Now he's working a job that he drives in and, you know, works like most people do in an office. And, uh, you know, we've, we've gone through all these, these changes and it's neat, you know, because you find out what kind of skills uh, translate across all those different uh, work lifestyles uh, and what, what kind of fall apart when you change the, when you change the system. So, yeah. So let's
1: talk about letting go of certain things because I think that's, that's been something that you've had to do uh, with the success of Lore. Yeah, and again, people are like, "What is lore? What is lore?" Okay, you know <laughs> what? Why don't we just get to that? Tell everyone what lore is that doesn't already know what lore is.
2: So, for the three listeners that you have who are like, "What is lore?" <laughs> so, uh, lore is a podcast. It is a narrative storytelling podcast um, where I tell the story or stories that help illustrate the the history and the background behind common. Folklore, superstitions, horror tropes, um, things like that. Um, it isn't conversational. It's not two white dudes talking. It's um, it's me with a pre prepared, pre prepared, I guess, prepared script um, that I I deliver. It's really
1: prepared. That's how pre. That's how prepared yeah. it is. <laughs> I mean,
2: essentially, what you'd have to imagine is yep. spend spend a ton of time writing a history paper that's about you know ten pages long. Um, write it in a way that is friendly to the mouth so that when you speak it, it doesn't sound like you're reading from a doctoral dissertation. Um, it sounds like you're talking naturally, uh, and then practice it enough deliver that on mic, lay down some, some background music, you know, produce the thing and put it out. So that's, it's essentially like, I like to tell people it's a, it's a campfire story time. You know, it's me telling you, uh, dark historical stories, things that happened in the past that, um, that are sometimes more frightening than fiction really is. So that's what lore is. Um, and I didn't realize how popular it would be. So, um, (laughs) it's, it's currently, um, at any given time in the top like 40 on iTunes out of, I don't know, half a million podcasts that are out there. Um, it's usually in the top 10 of the society and culture category. Um, I have a sponsorship schedule that's completely booked all the way through the end of 2016. Uh, it's my full-time job and it's my dream job. I'm a writer. I, I mean, that's essentially what I am. I'm a professional writer now and I get paid for it. I love doing it. Yeah. So as you, as
1: you listen to this, everybody who's listening, you heard the way that your voice changed as you kind of trailed <laughs> off there. And it wasn't like a, it was like, it was almost like you finished the race. And I know you haven't finished the race, obviously right. that's, but it felt like, you know, like, okay, I ran, I, I've, I've, come this is what i was looking for this was the this is the place that i wanted to be at and so this first side project that you 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 have which is you know frictionless
2: what happened to it so you know lore was a side project at the beginning and there was a point in my design life where i had I think I had, you know, I had the Read and Trust network that I was mm-hmm. trying to build yep. and run at the same time. I was kicking off Frictionless, and I had the Paper Tools. Um, I had the Homework Podcast, and then I started Laura. But I realized, holy cow, you know, I've got not only do I have, you know, like my weekly game night at the game shop downtown. I have family time. Mm-hmm. Um, I have client work. All, <laughs> client work as the main thing at the time was that was what was paying the bills. I was making you know i don't know 50 bucks a month on selling paper tools like it's not a lucrative business unless you have a marketing budget and i didn't so um i had a lot of stuff on my plate and eventually you just have to start picking what you're going to drop how did and you do so- th- how
1: did you do that like cuz i i mean i come across this problem i mean it's interesting i was thinking about this the other day and i, I didn't mean to cut you off there but no, okay. uh you know i mean i came back from this travel and while I was away, it's amazing what happens when you travel because you're not you're you're so removed from everything that's, you know, static. You know, mm-hmm. everything is so dynamic. Even when you theme your days and all that stuff, which I do, and even when you have your, your your calendar and your task list and all that, you are still moving so uh you're not in your normal environment. So it gives you some time to really think and 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 even not think if you don't want to. And I was looking at everything and the thing that with productivity is is we've been building and building and building this bigger thing and just like I used to have those instances where when things were getting crazy, I'd drive by a Costco and go, you know, it might be nice just to be at the door greeting people again. Although the other, that was one small part of my brain says that and the other part goes, are you crazy? Uh, the same thing has happened with productivity. Sometimes I'm like, you know, it was just so much easier and simpler when I was just doing blog posts and right. hosting a podcast and doing... but. Again, the other part of my brain says, yeah, yeah but there's no growth there. There's no so, so how did you sit back? And so what I had to do is I, I've sat back and, and we've been calling stuff. You know, I'm not going to write about apps anymore. We're going to do better with Asana isn't going to happen. Uh, all these things that we're not going to do, and we're going to focus intently on one or two specific things, and then maybe scale from there. How did you say, like, did you like just put things on a Post-it note, like a bunch of Post-it notes, and just sit back and look at them and go, okay, what what needs to give? or did you like how did you assess this because you had so many things going on um that you you probably there, there's there there's there's conflict going on right
2: yeah i mean there's a tug and tug of a tug of war you know yep. a, a pull and a push going on between um you know you you have three limited resources in your life you have a limited amount of time money and energy and if you if you look at it as you know you have one cup of water and you've got to spread that out between you know three Dixie cups, he, there's only so much you can do. And if you want to fill one of them up more than the other, you've got to take something out of one cup and put it into that cup. You know, you you it's a limited resource. And so um, I, I I like to think back to um what's the Die Hard movie with Samuel Jackson? Uh, um,
1: die Hard is, is it, it three? Yeah, is it Die Hard with a Vengeance? I think isn't it?
2: I think so. When they're going through New York City yeah. and they're on this riddle quest basically and there's the one in the park by the fountain where they have the two jugs and they've got to pour the water between them to figure out how to get a certain weight and like it's a limited amount of water but you have to do the math and you have to figure things out that's that's where i was with my career i was basically holding on to all of these things that you know in the beginning you have hopes like this thing is going to be huge like frictionless is going to be the next you know behance and it's going to be great and well, no, it's not like it didn't, it didn't end there. And so I looked at the fact that even though I was only making maybe $50 profit and selling paper goods, um, I, I had to go down to the basement and, and fulfill orders. I had to print labels for these things. I had to do this stuff. I had to have the physical product on hand and then I had to order big batches of it when it ran out and and hope that it would sell again. Like there was just, there was just so much of a, of a mental cost and an, of a, of an energy cost to it and, um, uh, some time as well. So, um, you know, I just decided that th- this is something that nobody knows me for, or very few people know me for. Um, I'm not going to make a lot of people sad. I've had, I think, two people write me and say, Hey, what happened to the shop? You know, I'd love to buy more cards. And I've said, I don't do that anymore. I'm sorry, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I point them toward, um, you know, uh, Brad Dowdy uh, from Notco, um, yep. NOCK. He, he's got some great index cards and and pads of paper and paper books that, people should pick up because and, they're, and
1: oddly enough that's what he's known for he's known exactly, for the pen yep.
2: addict like that's his thing that's right it fits right into his wheelhouse and because of that he'll sell them better he'll do better with them um and people should go support him for that so this this just was it wasn't the thing that i needed it to be um read and trust i cut loose years ago yeah i but, remember that you know but it was my it was my first attempt to see would people pay for content you know would people and you've
1: done that a couple times you've done that with newsletters
2: on a couple of occasions i believe right Yeah, well, I mean, I I, it was an email newsletter for a while and then I transitioned it over to like a PDF magazine thing that people would download. Um, but the the result was that not a lot of people pay for content and that made it hard to pay the writers. So, you know, so I have total respect for people who run a publication, you know, where they're paying a writing staff and whatnot. Um, I don't think that you should go the Huffington Post route and not pay your writers, but um it's hard to pay people Mm -hmm. because people don't like to pay for a publication when they can go get a similar article online for free. So, um, so yeah, that was, uh, I just had to make a lot of those decisions, you know, um, I was doing client work, but I had this itch, uh, all at the same time, like on top of all those things, I've always had this itch to scratch of, um, fiction. Mm -hmm. I had wanted to be a writer since I was in fifth grade. Um, and I had been dabbling with some writing, um, maybe about three years ago, I just got really serious and I started to write, um, I felt obligated because of how I started reading as a kid. I started in the fantasy world, so I, for some reason, felt obligated in the fantasy genre. Um, when I ditched that and I said, "You know what? I really love. Is I love like I love books by Stephen King. I like I like the supernatural thriller stuff. I grew up on you know X Files and, and unsolved mysteries. I'm going to write in that world. And when I shifted that over, writing became a complete joy for me. Um, and so I wrote three novels before I even put lore out. Um, the third one was released after lore. I kind of hit the scene, but it was done before, before lore was born. Um, so I was writing too. And, um, you know, when I, when I created lore, I just assumed that it would be this like irregular thing, just like anything else. And Mm -hmm. I, I'd I'd give a couple hours to it each week and then uh, that changed pretty quickly. I mean, like I said, within a few months I was full-time supported by lore
1: Let's start to shift and talk a little bit about, you know, what, what's, you know, what, how you put together an episode of Lore and what's been going, like, you started, the
2: Lore started when? When did you start, Lore? Two weeks from, um, a year ago, two weeks from today. Does it make, am I saying that right? In two weeks, it will be the one year anniversary. So, so it's it less, less than, than March 18th.
1: Yeah, so it's less than a year old. So as this episode airs, uh, you, it's still not even a year old and you have i mean the accolades that lore has received is just insane i mean you've you were one of iTunes' best of 2015 you've been featured in the guardian huffington post usa today Nerdist.com, which of course for nerds is like wow um you know you have been really like it's just blown up and the thing is is it again it's less than a year old so you're still like it's still
2: formative right yeah i mean I feel like the year has simply flown by, you know, and and part of it is because when you do that thing that you really love and it keeps you really busy, um, time does fly by because when I finish writing an episode, I move on to the next episode and I write it, you know, like I'm in this constant race of, all right, let's write the next one. Let's write the next one. And then I have to take breaks to record and, you know, I have Patreon rewards that I need to prepare, you know, things like magazine transcripts and whatnot. And Mm -hmm. like, it all keeps me busy.
1: Yep. And now, now, now let's, let's talk about the process of, of putting
2: an episode together. So how long does it take you to write an episode generally? 40 hours. Wow. So that's a whole yeah. week. It's basically a whole week. Yeah. So Laura, I release on a two week cycle. Um, if you're in the UK, that would be fortnightly. If you're in the U S so it's it's weekly then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So every other Monday, um, Monday the 7th is going to be a release day and then two weeks after that and two weeks after that. So Anytime I can get ahead on the writing schedule, I'm buying myself a couple of weeks, which is really great. You know, what do you
1: think? What do you think about the biweekly? Because I mean, you, you, I mean, it's funny, I, I, we, we're going to make some changes to the productivity is podcast, which I'll talk to you a little bit after we're done recording, because I've, I've not shared it with a lot of people yet. But uh, everyone is, you know, you can't have seasons, you have to go every week, you can't like, w- I mean, yeah. to me, that seems rather, you know, short sighted. Um, especially if you're putting together something as, as high quality as, as lore is like, I mean, you can't just, and it's just you. That's the other thing too, right? Yeah.
2: I mean, somebody would say, well, then you hire a research assistant, but that's not simple because I don't know what is episode worthy until I've researched it. And if I'm trusting somebody else to research it, then I'm giving up my opportunity to let my intuition say, no, that's not a good story. I spent three days this week writing what I thought would be episode 32 and realized, Laying in bed Wednesday night, this is complete and utter crap. I'm forcing it to. I'm trying to make it into a lore episode when it's not lore material. Um, I mean, it didn't even fit into the folklore category. It was just. It, it was. It wasn't right. And so Thursday morning, I sat down. I moved it to a, an archive where I might, you know, mine it for something later, and started a brand new episode. Um, a brand new episode, thirty-two, and it's actually turning out to be one of my favorite of this year so far. Um, but sometimes you just like, you don't know what's going to happen. You have to like, I can't trust another person to do that for me. I thought, well, maybe I could trust them to sell my ads, but then, then I'm giving up a percentage of my ad sales and anything I can earn helps support the family and keeps lore independent and you know, all that. It kind allows of
1: stuff. you to stay, again, remove certain elements from your life that are That's taking right. you away from lore. So, yeah. so I mean, again, the the temptation to go weekly hasn't even crossed your mind.
2: It No, it has. It uh, has. has. And in October... You know, October is the month of Halloween. Um, a lot of people say that I have a scary podcast. That's not really what I'm aiming for, um, but the material tends to be a little dramatic and dark. And um, so, for Halloween, for the month of October, I decided to do weekly episodes as a gift. Um, based on the every other week schedule, it actually turned out to be five episodes in a row, and it it just because well, yeah, you're doing killed. it
1: Mondays, right?
2: Yeah, Mondays. <laughs> so so yeah, it,
1: you will have you will have five episodes.
2: Yeah, one so will come,
1: I, one will come out on Halloween,
2: actually this coming year, yes. But yes. this this past year when I tried it, it was like four weeks in October. And then the very first week of November when I thought I'd have a break. No, that was actually back on the bi-weekly schedule. So right. I did five weeks in a row and it killed me. I mean, it was just I got sick in November because you know, when when you work really hard and then mm-hmm. you crash and it all falls apart. So um what I've learned is it you have better stats, you grow faster when you do weekly. Um, you probably float higher up on the charts when you're doing weekly stuff because, um, you know, you, you, it, it's a belt, it's not a belt curve. It's, it's the long tail It's, graph. it's quantitative data. Yeah, it's, it it's, is. It's so, easy.
1: It's easy. Whereas qualitative data is much, much right. more difficult to That's measure. Right.
2: So I have a slower growth pattern on a biweekly scale where, you know, launch day is enormous and then it tapers off like you'd expect. And then two weeks later it picks up again, um, every episode has been bigger than the last except for this little blip in October when I did the weeklies and it killed my stats and did something weird. And so, um, but for the most part, lore grows every, every episode. It's, it's insane. It is just absolutely insane. I never expected this. The first week that I, the first week, the first day that I put out lore back a year ago, I had like 70 listens. You wow.
1: Know? So, and how many do you uh, have now?
2: Uh, <laughs> it, it, it depends on where I am in my two week cycle, but um, there's a lot of, I mean, when you release month- it,
1: when you release an episode as of this, so when you release an episode as of next week, yeah. so as we're recording this, uh, because we, we release on the same day, so, <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs>
2: sorry, so,
1: no, 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 <laughs> totally different genres or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> what you, what do you, uh, what, what, what would your number, what is a tip typical number for you?
2: Uh, on a release day, uh, 150,000.
1: Yeah. Don't say that like, as if it hurts. <laughs>
2: well, I- I'm not, I don't like to talk numbers. No, but the it, thing I, is, I feel like it's one of those, like,
1: right. Well, but the way you said it, I I mean, that that's, and the reason, again, I want to go back to how you talked about lore when you were finally saying, like, this is what I get to do. I'm a writer. Like, it's not about the numbers. I know that it's not about the numbers with you. What what I wanted to illustrate there is that people who are in this position where they're like, look, I'm trying to make this other stuff work. And there's this really big thing that I want to work on. And I'm no different. We all have those things. and. Well, here's what can happen when you say you, you throw, you're not throwing caution to the wind because yeah. you, you've, you've mapped. I mean, you've got, again, like you said, you've got a foundation in place, you've got a framework in place where you could say, look, I'm going to give this a go. And if it works, great. You did that with Frictionless. You mm. did that with, you know, you've done that with, uh, you did that with Read and Trust. You know, you, you, you did it when you left the, the, the work world and went to go work at home. Uh, many of us have. Uh, when you hit that that lightning in a bottle, which this very well could be, um, or you hit that big thing, it. I think the trajectory that you've had, that's what I wanted to illustrate for everyone here, is it's not, you know, there is no such thing as an overnight success. And the thing that you think will hit may not be the thing that does. I mean, I thought for sure when I started, if I am the Stephen Colbert-esque productivity guy where I preach procrastination and getting things done eventually, and by doing so, teach people how to be more productive, I'm going to be, you know, fantastic. Like, I'll, I'll, that'll be my little niche. The problem is, is it's a niche within a niche, number one. And in order to do satire and parody really well, you have to do it 100%. Mm -hmm. You can't, you can't, it's the same reason when I was doing comedy where people said, oh, you should do stand-up. Like, I was doing stand-up sketch and improv. Again, those glasses, right? Like, which one... Was I doing better than any other one? Uh, not, not any. I was doing everything okay. Do you know what I mean? And so eventually what happens is you have to decide, you
2: know, you have to pick your, you have to pick your bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) You do. Um, and, you know, you build, build your systems. You know, I, I, I'm pretty religious with how my week flows. So I know that I can get the writing done in, in a week. Do you theme and, your day?
1: Do you theme, like, do you theme your days? Like, you know, I know a lot of podcasters, and a lot of people, like, are you at the point now because you've been able to fine tune your week to like, okay, this is my primary thing. Do you say, okay, well, Monday, this is generally what I work on Tuesday. this is, And then you have OmniFocus kind of guide the specific details of those days.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, these days I'm on Todoist. I've been there for about a year and I love ah, it. Ah, right. Um, me me but, too. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically. So I had tried originally to set up a two-week rhythm. But right. I found that my mind likes, it likes the weekly rhythm. Every Monday I do this. Every Tuesday I do this. Right. Because there are weekly things in my schedule. And so it's weird to to say like, okay, on, on this Tuesday, I record after I get back from lunch with my wife, but the next Tuesday I write when I get back, like I I needed a bit more consistency.
1: You want to wake up every, every Tuesday and go, Oh, today's recording day.
2: Yeah. Which is how I've gotten ahead on, on writing the episodes because now I'm, I'm writing the same amount every week instead of every other week. And it's helpful. Um, and then I, and then the, you know, so 30, 30, you know, 30 to 40 hours to do an episode. And then the other half of my time in that two week cycle is like, business admin. I've got media obligations. Like I, I, I don't know how many interviews I've done in the last, I, I I'm looking at my notes here cause I'm in the folder. I have 31 interviews that I've done uh, in the last year. Jeez. Um, you know, it's just like I have email from listeners, you know, if you want to call it fan mail or whatever I get, I get a dozen a day. Um, uh, and I write back to everybody. Um, I've got, you know, future stuff that I'm planning and changes to the website and all that stuff, you know? Um, And I like doing all of it, you know, I've, I've turned down, um, I think four different network offers, you know, from big, big podcast networks that want me on because I, I like controlling it all myself (laughs) and maybe that's a, maybe that's a flaw, but right now it means that, you know, any penny that I do earn is mine. It supports the show. It means that I can continue on in the future. I don't have to worry about, um, you know. And, and you have the freedom to choose what you want. I mean, the that's lie, right. I'm you, the boss.
1: Yeah, you're you're not beholden to anybody. It's, it's 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 the same reason why when people say, "Oh, well, you?" You know, I mean, and I was going to write a book on Todoist, and I thought, you know, I don't want to be the guy who chases apps and stuff like that. That's one of the reasons. But there's also like people have said, "Oh, will you become the Todoist guy or the Asana guy or whatever?" Then then all of a sudden it compromises you a little bit. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be I, and and just like if you became. You joined, let's say, you know, whatever. There's a multitude of podcasts. You all of a sudden become, you fall into that category. And and let's say, I mean, before we wrap up, like what shows inspired you? I mean, I know I, there's a, a, a post that you have about why you started Lore uh, and why you created it. But, but what shows kind of, like as you were getting ready to craft, this this new this new venture like what did you what inspired you i mean i know that there was a I, I i listened to mike hurley do the uh app um the history of the iphone the history of the apps uh episodes that he did for um what's the name of the show oh my goodness uh on relay um i, I can't remember the name of the show right now and he's gonna kill me but anyway uh and i thought this is fantastic because he took a tech show and basically crafted it a, a serial style you know mm-hmm. what i mean um, what shows kind of inspired you to kind of say, Hey, this is the way I want to do it. Cause I know you don't want to do just, another, and, and I knew you didn't want to do just another show.
2: Well, I mean, I, I, you know, a year ago and even today, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. You know, I listen to, um, you know, a talking heads podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, um, it's called still untitled. It's with Adam Savage from the myth buffer yep. It's, it's from tested.com. You know, it's their, their crew. So, uh, Norman Chan, Will Smith not that will smith but will smith <laughs> um i think actually his twitter handle is like not that will smith or something like that um and then adam you Chapman. listen to
1: a lot of audiobooks, though don't you
2: i do listen to a lot of audiobooks. Yeah. although when i'm really in like a writing phase where i'm cranking out a lot of episodes there, my, my reading even if it's audio reading drops off the face of the earth because i can't i don't know i just can't maintain a mental space for both. He, cal, cal, um, cal
1: newport and i were talking about this the other day where we said when we're writing like i love to read a lot of non-fiction but once we start writing like book stuff, yeah. we have to only write read like fiction. Because right. if we read nonfiction then our then our, our work is going to be kind of things are going to fuse with our work and it's going to be too yeah, yeah. So I totally get that. And I don't listen to a lot of podcasts that much anymore either. I've been doing a lot more reading than yeah. uh, and it's just because there's just so much. There it, is it, there's
2: a lot there's so much great stuff and it's getting better every day. yeah The the stuff that's constantly in my podcast feed would be the Illusionist, that starts with an A, not an I, mm-hmm. um, from Helen Zaltzman in the UK. She's a fantastic storyteller and she talks about the history behind words, which is, for me, that's like candy. Um, 99% Invisible with Roman Mars. Yep, um, He's amazing. Um, and um, Criminal, which is, if you go to, I think uh, this is criminal.com. Uh, all three of those shows are on the Radiotopia network. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing, amazing storytelling. I discovered all of them. Except for Criminal, I discovered all of them after I started Lore. Um, there's another show on their network called The Memory Palace, which I- in a lot of ways is very similar to Lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people have drawn comparisons to them. I discovered it a couple of months after I started Lore when somebody said, wow, this sounds like The Memory Palace. And I was like, well, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Let me go listen. Uh, and, and then I kind of, you know, digested his back catalog. He tells stories with a lot of heart. And it's 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 a lot to aspire to. Um, and, and that's the thing, like like one show will inspire another show for a lot of people there there are there's now a whole slew of you know shows that have been inspired by lore you know basically one person in front of a mic reading a prepared script and then laying music underneath it i don't know if if we can say that i invented some sort of a genre i'd say that memory palace maybe did but i didn't know it um but you know that people look to the popular places to find a format or to find a style um i like to kind of dip into the variety cuz it helps me not get stale with what I'm doing, you know, like, I mean, 99% invisible is essentially like a brilliantly done audio version of a really good fast company article where you've got the, the, the writer of the articles voice, but then you have the voice of quotes. You have the voice of other experts, um, sound effects or the images like it's, it's, a, it's an audio magazine, and I love it. It's just so well done.
1: Well, and, and Roman was at Podcast Movement last year, and he did yeah. a fantastic job, and you're going to do a fantastic job this year. I Podcast hope so. Movement.
2: I'm, I'm actually talking about um, earning an income from podcasting. yeah. Yeah. So uh, there, there really wasn't a category for, all right, I tell stories for a living, so maybe I can teach people how to tell stories. Um, well, so Dan, I,
1: Dan and Jared, get it was funny when I saw you there. I'm like, of course, of course you'll <laughs> be there. Why wouldn't you be? Uh, Aaron, I, I want to respect your time. I want to respect my listeners time. And I want to thank you for joining me this week on the show. Where can people find you and your, uh, incredible, uh, an amazing podcast online?
2: Well, you know, they, they could either go to dot which is a horrendous thing to try to spell, or you can just go to lore podcast.com. The contact page will have Twitter handles and all that kind of stuff. I'm on Twitter. A M A H N K E. The show is on Twitter lore podcast. Um, those same handles on instagram that kind of stuff so yeah um follow along say hi and uh thanks for having me on the show
1: aaron thanks so much for joining me this week on the productivius podcast thanks mike there you have it Another uh, another one in the books. Thanks to Aaron for joining me this week on the podcast. If you're interested in giving me feedback, I'd love to hear it. The blog post for this episode, you can leave some comments there. You can also leave a rating or review in iTunes. And if you want to become a Patreon supporter, you can do that as well. Just go to patreon.com slash productivityist and help out the podcast in that way. That's it for this week. Thanks again for joining me. Thanks to podcast producer John Polstra for putting this episode together. And until next time, I am your host. Founder of Productivityist Mike Vardy reminding you to stop guessing and start going.